guests this week are some college friends of ours, a couple who are doing music together. He is a guitarist who has played all throughout the country playing in different CCM bands, and she is a vocalist and recording artist. They're getting ready to drop a new EP. Please welcome Arlene and Ricardo Escobar. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for the intro. Of course, I would definitely... Sound effects. Sound effects. (laughs) So I guess let's start out uh, by you guys letting us know a little bit about your newest project. Yeah, so we're super excited. Um, We're launching uh, my wife, Arlene Escobar. Uh, We're launching her EP. Um, It's going to be about five, six songs. At least that's the goal. And so we've kind of been um, working towards that. Um, Kind of, so our genre or or what the EP will consist of, the genres will be like uh, a little bit of pop, a lot of worship, um, some like R&B style as well, just because she has that big vocal um, ability to do those genres. So, um, we, you know, we look forward to it. That's awesome. How long have you guys been working on it for? Um, it's been, how long would you say? Like, a lifetime. <laughs> you know what? That's actually true. It has been a lifetime. Um, but actively, maybe about a month or two. Um, yeah, the specific EP. Yeah, we just recently started. Um, it's kind of the overall goal. There's a lot of other things going on in our lives, uh, both musically and with family. So um, it all kind of goes together. So we have other focuses. So we're not... We're putting all our energy into the EP, of course, but we also have things going on, Instagram and other things. So it just kind of gets into this thing where the EP might be uh, a little bit down the road, um, but we thought it would be closer, you know, to, to our time frame. But right now we're trying to captivate the audience uh, with covers. So things that would give them like an emotional reaction. Oh, I know this song. Oh, I love that part. And then can I sneak in one of our originals, you know, on that EP or release a, a single here and there. But yeah, definitely actively working on that EP right now uh, with a friend of ours. Okay. So do you guys have a release date in mind or is it just kind of see how things go in the next couple months and go from there? Yeah, so we don't have a release date. Um, we're probably thinking or aiming for early 2021. Um, 
but that doesn't mean that we may not release a single or two here and there um as like uh, what i've been noticing through like various um just researching other artists um, dropping singles has become a, a huge thing instead of a whole album or a whole ep so we might take that approach where yes the ep is the overall project but before we get there we may drop one or two as we go if that makes sense right yeah like i don't know if you heard our episode about uh camila cabello but uh, Matt, how many singles were on that record? Like five out of the 14 songs? Let's be honest. The whole album was basically singles. They just haven't gotten around <laughs> to releasing them yet. <laughs> yeah. You're right. They were releasing singles from the album after the album was released. Like the album dropped in Jan- in December and they had already dropped five singles before that. Yeah. And then in January, they dropped another single from the album. Not to mention the one uh, remix, quote unquote, that they just released that I texted oh, you yeah. about because it sounds literally the same as yeah. the uh, original song. So I don't know what's going on there, but I think someone hit the wrong button. I'll be honest. I didn't actually listen to that. That's okay. <laughs> you don't have to. You already did. <laughs> that is funny. Hit the wrong button. That's a good one, man. That's a good one. You know, um, yeah, there's a lot of, that's like a, I don't know if it's a movement or something, but uh, there's a there's an artist by the name of uh, Joyner Lucas who did 13 songs i think on his last album and i kid you not he dropped a single every month so the whole cd you know he was finished with it but it it took like 12 13 months to get it out because every month or so he would drop a single so so that's like the new thing so um and i think that's like personally i think it's a good approach because it gives people something to look forward to and it keeps them hungry i guess Uh, now to do you know more than five, six at a time or singles before the EP, that might be a little too much in my opinion, but it's always good to keep people, you know, wanting more and giving them more, you know? Definitely. I agree with that. Yeah. You kind of build a project, like kind of like building a house, just one brick at a time. Mm, Exactly. Yeah. Good analogy. Yeah. There's different ways, like the old school way to do it would be like, just drop the album and then go tour or tour the album first and then record the album with the money you earned from touring. That's the way the old jazzers used to do it. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. It seems like that's kind of turning a little bit. Um, I mean, I'm still a big fan of dropping a whole. Yeah. I mean, I'm still a big fan of dropping a whole entire album or EP. Uh, but I do also, I don't mind singles. I don't mind, especially if they're like the, um, it's going to be the main single off the album. I think that's really good to do a little bit beforehand. So people already, you know, recognize the song or whatnot. Yeah. Matt and I were talking the other day about releasing singles on an album. And it's like, because we listen to things through Spotify and iTunes now, we listen to one song at a time, not a whole album. Anyways, you build a playlist out of things you like. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, you can't listen to a whole album. Um, And like most of the time, I mean, at least I think that most people listen to a handful of songs of an album anyway. Um, Some some, some great songs get buried underneath, you know, the singles or the ones that are uh, promoted the most. So some great songs can get buried under there. And so I guess that's one of our concerns because when we we write a song or produce a song, you know, um, we put all our heart and emotion and everything into it. So we don't want any song to be buried, you know, because we believe that every song we, we make or create is, is great. So we want people to at least 
to be able to listen to it. So that's why I mentioned that, you know, we might release uh, one or two beforehand. Um, so that, so everyone's not waiting for the EP to see what it sounds like, you know? I gotcha. So can you elaborate kind of on what that songwriting process looks like? Yeah. So, um, it's different every time. Sometimes, um, I'll be at the guitar and I'll just start playing chords and then build a melody around that. Um, sometimes I'll have a melody, um, and then I'll bring it to my wife and, you know, she'll help me create another melody on top of that, or maybe, uh, give it a little bit more spice, you know, some more sauce on that melody. And then I'll, I'll put the chords to it. Um, and then kind of build from there and then bring in the production and, and then, and then the lyrics. Um, it, it just kind of depends on, on what the feel is. Cause I've talked to people, I've talked to music industry individuals who say you should write lyrics first and then the production. And then others that say, Oh, the lyrics might be driven by the type of production. So it just kind of depends on what the feel is and you know, what comes first to me. Is it the melody that comes first? Is it the production? Do I hear the beat and the groove, you know? Yeah. And he really is amazing at it. It really shocks me. I'm like, where do you get this from? And we joke and we say, he's the songwriter and I'm the editor. And I feel like that just goes in life. There's our other editor. <laughs> he edits a lot of the songs. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of how, it's kind of how we approach it. Just kind of bouncing ideas off each other. And yeah. I know like the way the jazz guys would do it is they'd record or they'd have the melody first and then stick lyrics to it later. Someone else would do that. But right. Yeah. I mean, that is, that, that is one approach. And, um, I think, I think it could be a little bit, might be a little bit harder. Um, um I think it kind of depends on what your music is driven by. So like for you guys, you're writing a different style of music. So like yours is driven by the message of the song. Right, right, again. So the lyrics right. are definitely more important. So that's a better starting point to me than the uh, the melody and chordal structure. Well, you know, you're right. But the thing is that I'm the kind of individual musician that the music is so important to me too. So it's like, um, just because I like so many genres. So I don't like to be lazy on the music, even if the lyrics are good or vice versa. Um, like even right now, for example, I have one I've been working on and, um, I have the production down. Uh, and so now I'm trying to build lyrics into it. Um, and so the reason I mentioned that sometimes it can be a little bit more difficult is because now that I've kind of put a, a box around myself because I, I've laid down the productions and the chords, you know, there's only so many melodies I can do. And then so many words I can fit into that melody, if it were, you know? Right. So to me, it can be a little bit more complicated than just having the, the plain chords, writing out the lyrics and then putting in the drums and everything else. But again, it just depends on, on, like you said, the, uh, the kind of groove, the kind of song, you know, are you trying to get the, a message across? Or is it more about the music, you know? Right. So then what does your recording process look like? Cause like everybody now has their home studio, you know, like I record everything just sitting in my bedroom. <laughs> right. Yep. That's actually the same thing. So, um, right now everything I do is in my house is in my room. Um, I have a microphone there for my wife to sing on there. Um, my friend let me borrow some like, uh, 
pads to put like a like a vocal booth type thing that goes around the mic for you know isolating sound Um, then i have my macbook pro i have logic pro x on there which is an amazing program that i love to use um and then i have this beautiful focus right interface (laughs) uh love focus right and everything that um they have i think it's a good good brand um and then yeah that's i just start creating there i have a midi i have all my guitar um piano and then as far as the drums go uh i use so many things for drums i from samples to creating um you know logic has a drummer so i can use that i also have um chopping up samples and then just grabbing drums that are already pre-recorded and dragging them in there sometimes and seeing if that works you know right yeah i use logic drummer a lot yeah yeah logic drummer logic drummer is good i have a lot of uh a, a plugins as well that have um drum samples uh kicks and stuff and, and so i just use that as well um <laughs> which is funny because to me the hardest part of production is um is the sound i could literally spend hours just finding that right kick you know <laughs> finding that right snare you right. know it takes more time finding that than it does to produce the whole song and mix it uh so i think it's funny and uh, it's funny to see my wife there next to me just l- looking at the program looking at me just test different sounds and samples and she you know i think it's just a, it's funny he's definitely his own out at that time i'm like <laughs> i've scared him so many times so into it and i walk in like loudly walk in and he just jumps and he's like oh my gosh what are you doing he's totally in the zone when he's doing this and i just see the passion that he has for it and really just the talent i'm like so shocked when he comes with the final product or even in the midst of it that you know in the middle of the product he'll show me and i'm just like oh my gosh like and i see that that the drums also make a big difference, like the type of drum. So one day he might give me like a more hollow sound and the other time it'll feel more bassy. I don't know what the exact (laughs) terms are or anything, but I definitely see that. (laughs) Right. So what is it like being able to do something like this with your spouse? Oh, it's great, man. I mean, um, this is what I've always wanted to do personally. I can't speak for my wife. She'll speak in a little bit. <laughs> but, for, but for me, this is something I've always wanted to do. Um, I, I think it's a blessing and a benefit to have a spouse that can uh, sing and have an ear for music. Um, you know, she didn't she didn't study music like I did, um, but she has an ear for music. She has an ear for melodies. Um, and just having a studio in the home has helped her to um, become a better uh studio vocalist, a better, just, just all around vocalist, you know? Um, so, so it's great because I can bounce ideas off of her. You know, it's not like, I feel like I'm bothering her. She's annoyed by it. And I think she, she's starting to like the process a little bit, you know, the, the whole <laughs> background process that no one ever sees. They just see the ultimate product and the, and the artist singing or rapping, but no one ever <laughs> knows the engineer or the many hours it takes in the background to get that. But I think she's starting to appreciate it and like that. So, I mean, it's been a blessing. Just we grew up together. So, and we did, we were on the worship team together. So, we've always done music together since 
2002 when we were 12 years old. And so we just, we've just really always enjoyed it. And as we grow, the music has been able to grow as well. And it just is something that we can, a hobby, not a hobby, uh, a passion that we both have that just really unites us and it bleeds out into our music as well as affects our children. Like our children, you know, we'll be writing a song and they'll be like, Oh, you know, dad, let's add this in. And they'll give us a little line. And of course it's, it'll, it'll, it's a cute line. And we just laugh and we tell them, Oh yeah, good job. Or especially Caleb or our, second born he he just loves to add in you know oh dad you should put a drum here you should put this sound here and they really do help us sometimes we actually use what they what they've <laughs> you know incorporated don't we yeah i mean doing this as a as a couple we has benefited us because our kids see us do it and they want to be a part of the process i mean it's it's not an exaggeration sometimes my son will hear something and say, Oh, what about this dad? Or what about that? And then my daughter will come up with melodies. I mean, that, that does really happen. So, I mean, I think it's been a blessing to have a very, uh, what I see as a musical family. And so we're just happy for what the future might bring for us and for our children, if they get into, uh, into music, like, like we have. There are times that music does separate us. Like when Ricky, uh, went to play at that, uh, what was it, this passion tour conference or something rather? And, you know, he was, he left me with three kids and I was pregnant with the fourth. He left me for a week (laughs) to go play in an arena. And I'm like, okay, but you know, sometimes, sometimes it separates us, but most of the time it unites. Yeah, I think I had it harder that week, though. I was the one making all the sacrifices. Oh, so <laughs> difficult in the hotel, trashing hotels. and <laughs> Never happened. That's funny. I've got a friend, uh, another friend from Liberty, who her husband uh, tours with Liberty, doing singing with them and everything. And he's gone all the time. Like she, I mean, their first year of marriage, she, he was gone it got to be at least six months of the year he was gone touring with them. Wow. Wow. That's a, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, no, I don't, I'm very, because I have a family, you know, I'm very picky. Um, and maybe picky is not the right word, but I'm very cautious and aware of the tours that I do take or the events that, you know, they call me to, to play guitar. Um, I can't say no. I mean, I can't say yes to all of them, which is more than fine. But um, yeah, I'm very cautious about when I take one or, or, you know, which ones I take, I should say. Of course. <laughs> Especially with yeah. four kids. It's like. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm not there yet, but. <laughs> <laughs> yet. Yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. So what's been the best part about working on the new album? Um, I think songwriting, um, definitely, I think that has been a challenge for both of us um, because, you know, when you're song, when you're writing for an artist, um, it's a little bit more difficult than just songwriting for yourself because, you know, they might say things a different way than you say them, you know, or um, you might write about something and it may not relate to them or they might think, oh, I like the theme, but I don't really relate to it. I think we should write it from this perspective. So writing for my wife, um, you know, now instead of me just writing by myself, she has come alongside. And so we write together 
um, you know, she'll, she'll have a lot of input on what I write or how to better express it so that it's from a female perspective, you know, um, all that is super important. Um, and if you, I don't know if you have ever watched the show Songland, it's on NBC. I believe it's NBC. Um, I have never seen that. You never what? seen that? Okay, oh yeah, it's a, it's a. Show. I don't it's have like, cable. It's so no, no, good. We, we it's don't on either. Hulu. We don't either. We have Hulu. Oh, it's on Hulu. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like The Voice, American Idol, but it's for songwriters. So instead of like performing to be an artist, these are songwriters who have a chance to present their song for a huge artist like BB uh, BB Rexa, Florida Georgia Line. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, BB Rexa, Florida Georgia Line. Um, Martina and so, so McBride, is that? Yeah, Martina McBride. She was on the show. So huge time, you know, artists who are, um, who've been killing it for years now, they get to perform their songs and one of their songs is chosen to be recorded by the artist. And so a lot, a lot of the things they talk about is, writing for that artist from their perspective or something that they would say or relate to. So that's been very, um, that's been very critical in our songwriting to write more for Arlene in her style and from a female's perspective. And since I'm a male, <laughs> it can get kind of difficult. <laughs> I've never really, I never have song written. Is that right? Song written before. <laughs> um, until we started this uh, songwriting for this EP and literally has been the most therapeutic thing ever. Like we love creating together and it really feels like a break from the marketing and from um, just other things that this has called like the music videos and everything. So the editing, but um, it's been so therapeutic. Like we usually take about an hour of our day and uh, while the kids are napping, we usually just kind of relax and uh, now we songwrite, and it's been so amazing. It's been the best break ever. And, you know, I just love creating. I mean, we love creating together. And then there's the, the recording part of it, which, oh, my gosh, this man has made me a studio junkie. Like, I just always want to be on that mic recording. And it's it's been great. Like, I love the creative part of it is just amazing. And it's so exciting. That's awesome. So you mentioned like the, the marketing and stuff. So I see you guys do a lot of stuff on Instagram. Is that like the biggest way you guys do that or are there other methods you use? I'd say as of now, definitely Instagram is the biggest way, yeah, I agree but with that. that that's definitely, um, we're going to be switching up. You know, we're just trying to trying different methods and different approaches, but we're definitely going to be using YouTube more. Like we've been uploading our music videos to YouTube kind of as an afterthought, like, Oh, if you want to check it out after IGTV, but mm -hmm. I, I, Instagram is definitely a good way to relate. So <laughs> we get so many messages a day, like people just wondering how we do what we do, you know, just uh, encouraging us. Like, so many people have been encouraging us. So it's definitely great on the relational level. And we would love for YouTube to bleed into Instagram. But uh, yeah, as of now, we've been using Instagram to promote and it's been working. I mean, we've gotten close to 200 views on one video purely through Instagram, which is kind of difficult to do because Instagram searches, their algorithm is a little funky and mm -hmm. <laughs> it's hard to promote, but, but definitely that's what we've been using. Okay. 
So where on Instagram and YouTube can people find you to listen to that stuff and to be updated when the album drops? Yeah, great question. So they can go to um, at Arlene Escobar Music. Um, so that's my wife's page. And we upload all the videos and all the content and update on there. Um, and then they can also go at Ricky Escobar Music. And that's like my guitar page. Um, I do a lot of promotion for my wife on there as well. You know, anything we do on her page, I try to promote it from my page as well. Because, you know, I have followers who are interested in guitars or, you know, different things. And so I just try to point them in that direction. Um, but, you know, they can either or. Yeah, right. we're always okay. updating on Instagram. Always, always. Cool. And those will be linked in the show notes. So in the episode description, uh, if you're listening to it through Apple Podcasts, it's not as good of an interface as some of the other apps are. Apple Spotify, Apple and Spotify don't. The links don't work on Apple and Spotify. I don't. I don't know why they haven't fixed that yet. But uh, they'll they'll be listed below, so you can check them out through those links. Make it easy for you. So, Ricardo, you had mentioned that a lot of your, like a lot of the connections that you guys have built have been through. Well, a lot of the, a lot of your success has come from the connections you've built. And so, I know you've played a lot with John Forrestek, and you've had a couple other people that have really influenced how you've been able to grow. What is that like trying to connect with other musicians for you? Yeah, so it, it's great, man. Um, it comes easy and natural to me because I am very extroverted. Um, and I think you know that, Tommy. <laughs> um, I'm very extroverted. I love I love talking. I can never talk enough, especially when it comes to music. I feel like that's you could talk about so many things for hours. And so, I mean, that's what it's all about to me you know, the music business, the music industry is all about people, about relationship, you know? So just being, having good character to me is essential. And I think, to be honest, that's what's kept me in a lot of circles and in a lot of um, rooms with people. It's not so much my talent as it is, you know, my character. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, I would rather have someone who has, you know, great character, you know, a hard work ethic um, than someone who's super talented, but, you know, either lazy or arrogant, um, just not fitting well within the, you know, the, the environment or the atmosphere <laughs> that we're in, you know? So um, right. I, I think that's been crucial. And so you mentioned John. So, yeah, it was funny how I met him. He posted on social media. He was looking for a guitarist. Uh, he might have said guitarist or musician, um, but anyways, here here in Lynchburg um, to play uh, on Sundays at church. So I reached out to him, um, and what was funny was our first encounter. Uh, <laughs> um, it was funny because he wasn't at first what I thought he was. So you know how sometimes you can meet somebody and you don't really know them, but you already kind of have an impression of them, you know, mm -hmm. uh, based on certain actions or certain things. So that's kind of what happened with me and John. Um, I had a, an impression of who he was. And then as I got to know him, I realized I was way off. <laughs> I right. was way off. That was the same thing when I met Matt. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, remember Matt, you had the, the big PV twin amp. <laughs> oh no. You judgmental <laughs> son of a... <laughs> <laughs> You that didn't was, know that I was a poor boy. 
he was rolling around this giant, stupid, heavy amp. I couldn't he, help it. <laughs> <laughs> but not only that, though, he had girls following him around carrying his stuff for him. Ooh, I was wow. like, who is this guy? <laughs> I had to get into the jazz community somehow. I was determined. <laughs> it was Spencer's idea, probably. That's so funny. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it happens, you know, it happens. You you meet somebody so quickly because um, that's what happened with me and John. It, it was so it was it was such a quick uh, interaction because it was a Sunday service. So we didn't really have time to chat. We had to, you know, get set up, practice for the, uh, you know, for the service and then play. And then afterwards, you know, chat a little bit. But I didn't really get to know who John was um, till afterwards when we began to uh, communicate more about music, about God and our goals and our vision. And then it, we found out that we had a lot in common. And so we began to work songwriting, um, small production, not as much as, as I do now, but I, I did a little bit back then. Um, but we did a lot of songwriting. And so, um, he's brought me to a lot of the tours. I would say probably most of them, not all of them, um, that I've been on or events that I've played at, you know, he's, he's always had me in mind, always invited me which has been great. He's a great friend of mine. And so we just, you know, ever since then we've communi- we continue to communicate. We continue to write and talk music, music industry, you know, how to maneuver around this industry and how to relate and approach people, you know, and, and just subjects like that, you know? That's awesome. Uh, what other, you've mentioned that there was another guy that you got in contact with that's been even bigger for you than John. Who was that? Yeah, well, uh, bigger is a good word. Um, I would say different, different because so th- so this is how I see it. So it's good to have an arsenal of people, but that arsenal needs to be really tight. Um, so I-, I call it like a small circle. I call that my small circle, and it's usually about two three people. Um, and so John is one of them, uh, one of them. And then the second one, his name is Phineas. He's a producer, uh, engineer, music engineer. Um, but more than that, man, he, he's just a great guy. I mean, he's a great guy, great character, you know, great man of God. He loves the Lord. He has a family too. So he kind of knows what it's like to, you know, be pursuing, uh, a career in music and having a family. Um, but yeah, so he's a producer. He has, um, he has cuts, um, you know, songs, tracks, whatever you want to call them, uh, with like Nike, ABC, and some other big companies like that. Um, so I actually met him through social media, through Instagram. Um, he he followed me uh, one day, and I, I, I usually what I like to do when someone follows me, especially if it's music related, I like to DM them and say, you know, thank you so much for following me. I really appreciate it. Um, and so I did that, and then he you know, roll back. And then we just began talking. And literally the first day we spoke for like several hours. I never knew this guy, by the way, just met him on Instagram. Um, and we just started talking and chatting about music, life, you know, family, God. And then from there it just, you know, went on. And then, um, so he has a studio here in Lynchburg, which he helps a lot of local artists here in Lynchburg to, uh, you know, record and produces for them. He does some local events as well um, throughout the year. And so he allowed me to be part of that, to be in his studio, um, 
somewhat as a, like a assistant or apprentice, whichever word you prefer to use. <laughs> um, so I've been helping him in the studio and just working with, uh, with a lot of people around Lynchburg. It's been great, man. It's been great. You said this guy's got some stuff with like Nike and ABC. Yeah. So he, he, uh, his backstory, you know, is so long. Um, I don't even really know the extent of it. Um, and we've talked a lot and I know a lot about it, but, um, yeah, he's from New York. And so he did a lot of great things up there in New York and then moved to Lynchburg. And so he, yeah, so he, um, he's sharp, man. He's sharp. He's a go-getter. Uh, but more than that, you know, I think what really helps him excel is his character is, you know, he's not trying to, one thing about this music industry and, and meeting people is, you know, I like to think that there are like two or three different type of people in the industry. There are those that just become your friend because they want something from you and to promote or excel their platform or what they're doing. And then you have those that truly are interested in you as a person and, you know, they're musicians. So you relate and you begin to create and it brings, you create a holistic relationship. And then there are those that you, you know, meet and do some music with. And then over time, paths lead to, you know, other direction. You, you stay friends, but you know, um, just different visions, different goals and not, and whatnot. So, um, he's, he's the kind of person that bring, that builds a holistic relationship. He's invested in people and not what you can do for him. So I think that along with his work ethic and because he's great, man, he's a great producer. I mean, he knows what he's doing. Obviously, (laughs) obviously he knows what he's doing. He has a great ear for music. He can pick things out in production. So I think that has excelled him to make uh, relationships with people in the industry, you know, like Nike, ABC, and I don't know who else. Um, I don't know who else he he's with, but yeah, he, he, he's doing some big things, man. And, yeah. I'm glad to call him a friend. I'm glad to call John a friend and you know I'm just I'm just blessed to have these two people in my life, you know. That just makes me wonder why Lynchburg. But I guess that's besides <laughs> the point. Yeah, you know, I I say the same thing, but you you, you got to understand he comes from New York. So he was already around that, so maybe he, you know, he got bored of it. He's like, I know it's right, like ready for something a little slower. A little slower. <laughs> also, you know what I realized? You don't once you're kind of in your foot in the door, you don't really, doesn't really need matter to, where you live. It doesn't exactly. It doesn't matter. Um, cause like, like we were talking about John, my friend, John. So he, he's here in Lynchburg, but he's doing a lot of things in like Nashville and, and LA as well. So, um, you don't really need to be there once you're, you know, in the door. Right. I mean, to get it, to get in the door, I, I feel like you need to move. I've always been a big believer of that. We talked about that several times, you know, like you need to be in the, the way I, I like to, paraphrase it to people is um nashville is a stadium and there's a soccer game going on and yes uh, i say soccer i don't know if it's because i'm hispanic or not but <laughs> i relate to soccer so so nashville to me is like a soccer game in a stadium that's going on and they're playing you know trying to win trying to to make it as it were and so if you're like in another state you you might be playing soccer as well, meaning you're grinding and you're working towards the same goal, but you're not even in the same field. You know, you're not even in the same stadium as these you know bigger players are. So to me, it's super essential um, for individuals to to be 
in that circle. You just never know who you meet, you know? Right. Now, the great thing about like the internet and that sort of thing and having home studios is that you guys, even you know, wherever you guys end up living, you know, you can still record your stuff at home and still publish your own stuff. It's just the relationships you make with other musicians that can really push you over the top. Oh, completely 100%, especially now. I mean, you know, everything Arlene and I do is is online right now, you know, mm-hmm. um, not not just because of of COVID nineteen or whatnot, but um, <laughs> because you know we're not there, so everything we do is online. But you know we're not in Nashville in uh, LA, but a lot of people have taken off, you know, through just social media, great music, you know, connections, 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 connections. Um, it's just one of those things where it's like if you know the right people. Um, I feel like it doesn't really matter where you're at, you know, and if you have great right. content, um, I think that will sell and just, you know, push you all the way through as opposed to your location. Even though location is important, even more, I think, is the connections, the relationships and and music that people can relate to, you know. Right. That is very true. Uh, Ricardo, how would you say studying uh, for your master's in music and worship at Liberty uh, prepared you for everything you guys are doing right now? So, yeah, great question. Um, Studying Liberty prepared me because it gave me a lot of uh, music knowledge that I didn't have. And that was always a a goal of mine um, was to study music because, you know, I was self-taught. And so I actually wanted to go and learn you know, music theory and, um, you know, how, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes to music. So I actually love music theory. Like, you know, I know people hated that class or were like, yeah, I gotta go to music theory. Stupid people, you mean. <laughs> right. <laughs> but to me, to me, I was like, yes, music theory. Like, you know, I would, I would be so excited about music theory more than I was, you know, other classes that had nothing to do with music. You know, I only wanted to take music related classes. So, um, it it gave me a lot of music theory knowledge. It gave me knowledge about, um, production, uh, songwriting, but I think more than that, I think it, it gave me the ability to connect with people to also, um, meet other people like yourself, Tommy and, and Matt, you know, meeting you, I think was, uh, was an, uh, it was a blessing, especially because Tommy, you were the first person that I met that I really connected with. And, you know, really I felt brought me in. I was super lost at first at Liberty. I was like, <laughs> I didn't really know anyone. And then I felt like, you know, you were there and you and I kind of, we're kind of the same type of character, very laid back, relaxed. Um, you're a little bit more than I am, but, <laughs> um, you know, very laid back, relaxed. And so I just remember, you know, you coming to say hi and then you know we're becoming friends after that um so it really taught me to connect with people um and how to you know treat people how to work with people because not everyone works at the same pace as i do you know or um how to change ideas exchange excuse me exchange ideas i think all of that was super uh, super important but definitely the music theory that has helped me i think more than anything you know being able to that and um what was that other class that the ear training class is that what's called musicianship thank you musicianship oh that 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 class oh man that was probably it kicked my butt too but that was my favorite even more than music theory and the reason for it was because uh it kicked my butt and i hated it but i felt like 
that's what everyone should be trained on. Like it should be those hard things that no one likes. You know, those are the things that, and ear training is one of those things that nobody likes because it's not, it's not easy. It's not supernatural. And I know some have perfect pitch and, and yay, those people, <laughs> but you know, for those that don't have perfect pitch like myself and who, you know, never really practiced that side of music, you know, with the ear training, um, it was difficult, but I loved it. I look forward to it. And so now when I write songs and I want to do something out of the, uh, something that's not ordinary, you know, like a G, D, E minor, C, and maybe add a secondary dominant in there, you know, or, you know, or, or whatever it may be, I can, you know, and, and, and change the key or just, you know, do a two, five, one to another key or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, it, it gave me that and I'm grateful for that. Now, so that being said, and you experiencing what you've experienced as far as the home studio recording and everything like that, would you recommend music school to aspiring musicians? Great question. If you would have asked me this three, four years ago, I would have said yes. Asking me now, I would say maybe. I would say it, would, it depends. It depends okay. on what the... what the individual's goal is um, because um, like many of the greats, many start in music school and don't end up graduating. Uh, there's several. Um, one that comes right off the mind is John Mayer. Uh, probably my number one, uh, probably number one in my top list, uh, at least top three. Um, he didn't finish music school. You know, he, I think he did, I think it was, don't quote me on this. I, I don't remember the number. I think it might have been like two semesters or a year and a half or something like that. And I know that's a big jump, but uh, it was something like something small, something a small amount of time. And he got what he needed or so he's, you know, that's how he quotes it. He says, I got what I needed and I felt I was ready to go. And so he left. And so I think it just depends on what you're trying to do. I think music school is good for you. Um, if you're trying to learn theory, you know, ear training, you know, all, all of these great things that it has to offer, um, connections, meeting people. You just never know who you're going to meet in a music school, you know, that might help you get to where you want to be. You never know. Um, but I also think more than that, um, I think that as a musician, you need to have internal drive and not depend on a music school or completely on a music school. Um, there are many musicians and artists who never stepped into a school, you know, uh, some that never even finished high school and they're huge megastars selling millions of albums, you know. Um, and uh, to me, that's part of the, the grind of the passion for that craft, whether songwriting, production, guitar, bass, whatever. Um, it's part of that passion. Um, but it is good preparation. It is good to meet people. It just depends on what, what you're trying to achieve in life, you know. Right. I can agree with that. I think for some people, it's a great thing. For other people, not so much. Yeah, uh, yeah. It can, go, it can go both ways, you know. I mean, um, from my personal experience, you know, I was like super excited to go to a music school. I mean, this is what I wanted. And then when I got there, there were times where it was everything I wanted it to be. And there were times where I was like, okay, this is not what I expected or what I thought thought it was going to be i mean but that's okay you know um because like you said it's everyone takes something different from it you know some 
it's great for them. Some, you know, it's, they learn, but you know, maybe they had different expectations, you know, it just kind of depends, you know, like you mentioned. Right. Now, real quick, because we don't have a lot of time left. If you could go back and talk to yourself, like when you're first starting all this stuff out or talk to any aspiring musician now, and if you had two minutes to give them advice and that was all you could say to them, what would you say? Work hard. Don't, Work hard. Don't have any excuses. You are your own worst enemy, so block yourself out and create music that you love and not what uh, you think people want from you or what other people love. That is sound advice right there. Yeah. If you're not true to yourself musically, if you don't do what you like, then no one else is going to like it either because it's going to be forced. It's not going to be natural. And if you like something out, chances are somebody else out there will like it too. And if not, you might just be crazy and maybe you shouldn't sell any albums anyways. <laughs> yeah, I, I, exper I experienced that at Liberty. So I know what I'm talking about and I, I'm putting in a lot of hard work with four children. So I know, you know what I'm talking about here. I, I would say those four things are definitely crucial to uh, success. Oh, and great character, five. Okay, don't forget that one. That one's super crucial to have great, great character. Uh, be kind um, to people. Yeah, it's all about people. All right, that's some that's good advice right there. Thank you guys so much for doing this interview with us. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you. We are, you know, anytime you want to interview us again, man. Any way we can help, um, you know, we're here to help, man. Thank you for having us and you know, promoting what we're doing. Uh, you know, we will return the favor. Um, in promoting this because we're, we're excited for you and Matt and what, you know, anything you do, Tommy, and I've always told you, dude, I, I'll support you, man. I, you know, I really appreciate what you did for me at LU and, you know, um, you're just a great person. So. Yeah, well, man, thank thank you. you. I appreciate that. And you too, Matt. <laughs> no actually you, you and i matt we need to have a separate conversation because i knew, I knew about you probably before you knew about me through tommy and we just have never really you know spoken but we, we're going to do that offline because i i know you're a guitarist like myself and you know i always <laughs> got to talk to other guitarists you know just how it goes we, we just both made it through the uh the the tommy bowles guitarist recovery program at lu <laughs> He scopes them out and, uh, and heads in. And that, so that's what he's he doing. He gets you where it hurts, and then suddenly, you know, you're a changed man. That's what, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, 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 that's what he's doing. Now I get it. It was always like, oh, yeah, you remember my friend Matt? No, but why do you need Matt? You have me. Hello. <laughs> I had ascended <laughs> to a new level, and he needed some more prey. <laughs> Gotta watch I, out for him, those six string players. Six string, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. He's jealous of bass those player, two extra strings. Bass players just get bored. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> bass play and, and bass they need a high end. Just playing the same root note over and over again is just boring after a while. Not in jazz, you don't. <laughs> Not in jazz, you don't, man. I anytime I hear boom, 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 I'm like, oh my goodness. That <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> could be fun. All right, guys. Well, thanks for being on the show and uh, thanks for listening to to everything. 
Uh, I have their social media accounts linked below if you guys want to follow them. So we will see you guys next week. Thank you, guys. See you.